Just when I need it most, I don't know if this happens to you, but God has a tendency to to swoop in and kind of humble me, like take me out right from the knees. And it reminds me what matters most and gives me that gift of perspective. But really, you know, that gift of perspective can be pretty short-lived if you don't fully embrace it. But when you do embrace it, when you take it in and weave it into everything you do and, and the way you see the world, it can change everything. So today's episode is a story about how I cried my eyes out at my kid's swim lesson and why it actually applies to you. So if you're feeling the pressure and the stress of juggling your missions in business and at home, if you're in a season of busy and hurry, if you wonder when you'll finally feel that fulfillment and the contentment of it all, let Amira's story inspire you in leadership, in parenthood, and what you're going to do with the precious time you have left. Let's raise them up right. You're listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, where we elevate successful entrepreneurs into powerful leaders doing work that really matters. And this episode is dedicated to raising luminaries. If you listen to this show, you already know that it's not about you anymore. As a leader, a real luminary, you're here to deeply impact others. I feel it too. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, a business leadership strategist and mom who's passionate about raising up that next generation of leaders. Looking at my three kiddos, I realized that I wanted to do entrepreneurship differently for them. Society is failing the next generation, and once a week on this show, we're doing something to change that. Whether you're a parent with your own little luminary or you want to heed the call of impacting those trailing you, this short but sweet episode will give you guidance and inspiration you can bring around your dinner table or into your community. You want to create your legacy? Here's where you start. Let's raise them up right. So we have been working really hard as a family to reduce hurry, to to really slow down and to be present. But for some reason, Tuesdays are just not that day for us. We are just back to back and I'm, I'm working on it. But Tuesdays are the day that I have all of my team calls and I'm back to back with, you know, meetings. And then we jump right into the end of the workday and shift gears and have swim lessons with all three kids, which means we're shoving them in the car. They're kind of eating dinner on the way there because by the time we get home, they're way too melted down to even eat. And we're rushing to the Y to get to swim lessons. And when that's happening, I'm usually at level 10, like don't mess with me because my stress level is through the roof. I'm just like, kids, please cooperate for once. Can you not stick that thing in your sister's ear on the ride? Like, can you actually listen to anything we say? And they're really hyped up, which I don't blame them because they're feeding off of our spastic energy to get ourselves there. So we burst into the friggin' 95 degree humid pool area, like a tornado of kids and towels. And find the last spot on the bench next to this other family who I vividly remembered from the last class because I was judging them up and down, thinking, like, what is their issue? Why are their kids so (laughs) well-behaved? What is their problem? And, you know, they're so calm and so obedient, and the mom's so beautiful, and the husband's just playing so nicely with the kids, and I'm like, oh, yeah, there are my three little crazies running around, and I'm just looking at this family being like, what's the matter with them? Why Why is it all so, look so good from the outside? And I had no idea the trap that God was walking us into this fateful Tuesday. 
So Michael, my husband, God bless him, could talk to literally anything, like an inanimate object and yield joy from it. He is Midwesterner through and through. He will talk to every stranger. He's so genuine. And the funny joke that we have is when he moved to Boston, he came from Wisconsin where everybody's so nice. And then he moves to Boston and he starts riding the T, which is the subway in the city. And he comes home one day and he's like, um, I don't really understand like what is right here because like I strike up a conversation on my commute in and I just get I'm like you struck up a conversation with a stranger on the T at 6 6 a.m what are you nuts these people you're lucky you didn't get your teeth punched in like you don't look someone in the eye and start talking to them in the middle of Boston but he comes from Wisconsin and this is what they do here so now I'm out here I know I'm digressing, but I'm out here and all these people are talking to me and I'm just thinking in my head, like, what do they want from me? Or are they going to try and rob me? What's their motive here? Not realizing it took me a few years to realize this is just how people are here. So anyway, we get to this, this sweaty pool and I'm sitting there forgetting to have changed out of a sweater. So I'm sweating in my sweater. I'm sitting there and my kids are running around and we're sitting next to this perfect little family. And Michael, being Michael, leans over and says, hi. And I'm like, okay, we're going to play this game. You're going to just start talking to strangers. This is great. Could my day get any worse? I can't just sit here and quiet and be grumpy. You've got to start talking to this other family. Now, Michael looks over and he sees that one of the two girls who are so adorable had the most intricate braids in her hair. just gorgeous. And he says to the mom, Michael says, wow, did you do those braids or did you have them done? And the mom, who's pretty soft-spoken at first, just kind of leans over and looks at him. She's like, yep, I did. And Michael's so excited. He's like, oh, my gosh, that's incredible. I can't even do a ponytail. Like, And points at Abby, our youngest, who has like basically a rhinoceros horn coming out of the middle of her forehead because Michael did her ponytail and it looked ridiculous. And he looks over at the dad and says, please tell me you can't do braids like that. Like this, I can't even look at my daughter's hair. It's pathetic. And the dad smiles and he looks over and he says, "Uh, well, I can't do braids as well as my wife, but I have gotten pretty good at ponytails and more simple braids like that. And he points at his other daughter who was over in the pool and she had these two simple little braids in her hair and she's so cute. And Michael gets all excited. He's like, wow, that's awesome. I feel like I have, you know, two left hands every time I try. And the dad says, well, you know, I I kind of had to learn when our oldest ended up in the hospital over the last two years because I was on duty with the two youngest while my wife was at the hospital with our oldest daughter. And he had this sweet smile on his face. And so Michael continues his friendly conversation. And all the while, this is happening across my body because I'm sitting there in silence and Michael's to the left of me and this family's to the right of me and Michael's leaning forward talking over me. And he's, Michael says, oh my goodness, that you know that must have been so hard. Is she okay? And the father tells us that she was diagnosed with cancer at nine years old. And Michael asks him, oh, my, you know, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm so sorry. Is she home? And the dad says to Michael, well, she's not home with us, but she went home with the Lord last month. She passed away at, at 11 years old. And at this point, as Michael and, and the husband are talking across me, I'm just welling up. I'm watching my healthy kids run around like little spaz balls and 
remembering all these moments of tension about nothing on the ride there and hearing the story of this family, which is sadly all too common, which is a whole other conversation. And I could just feel the tears welling up in my eyes and I lump in my throat and I look at Michael and I see him with tears in his eyes. And at this point, our our older two were in the pool and our youngest was just sitting on my lap. And really without thinking, because I'm telling you, I'm very shy in these new relationships. Like when I don't know somebody, I'm not quick to talk. But instinctively, I just say to the mom who was sitting there very quietly trying not to cry, will you tell us more about your daughter? I'd love to get to know her and her story. And she looked at me and smiled and just touched my hand gently and said through her choked up, you know, tears, yes, please. And the next hour, the dad got up and came over and sat facing us. And he brought us the story of his daughter, Amira. She was a young girl who fully lived out her mission here on earth. And it changed a father's heart and a mother's journey. And the two sisters who were swimming in the pool, their future, all by how Amira chose to live and chose to lead. And I was being constantly throughout the whole conversation so humbled hearing about his daughter, their daughter, and her wisdom at such a young age. And it was so clear that she knew her mission and all of it. It was killing her parents, witnessing her pain and her suffering because the two years, as described by the mom and dad, were gut-wrenching. Nothing any parent should ever have to witness in a million years, nothing you'd wish on your worst enemy in the world. And I won't get into that, but, you know, for families who walk through cancer, if you aren't aware of some of the, the pain and the hardships they walk through, it would be good to familiarize yourself with the reality that so many families are sadly walking through today because of what a broken food system and environment that we live in right now. And as he talked, I had this moment of realization that I've been gifted moments of perspective like this, not to this degree, but like this before in my life, that were really so grace-filled and merciful because they weren't me having to walk through the agony that this couple had to walk through, but I was still gifted the perspective. I think we all walk through that when we hear other people's stories. But the problem is that in the past, when I've heard stories like that or heard of other people's hardships and it inspired me and it moved me, it only lasted so long because it wasn't my reality. And listening to um, the story of Amira and how her ripple effect continues even after she left this particular life and is now, you know, living an eternal one, I made a decision that I wasn't going to let her story and her the perspective that we were gifted through her story be in vain, that I was going to actively remember her and think of her any time that I chose to take for granted the honor that I have and the gift that I have in, in the life that I have and the time I have with my children and the impact I'm going to choose to make with that time. And one of the most incredible pieces of Amira's story was the story of her last moments with her two younger sisters. 
Myra was 11 when she passed, and her younger sisters um, were a couple of years behind her in age. And we saw them every week after this. So we had the opportunity to get, get to know this couple better, and they've become friends. But a couple visits in, the dad shared this video of Amira sitting with her sisters, explaining what was going to come next and what she wanted for them. And she explained it so composed and so poised, knowing that she was going to be leaving them in this life within the next couple days. And she told them that this was her mission. And her mission was to inspire people to understand that life is such a treasure and such a gift and that we have the opportunity to make an impact while we're here. And we don't know how much time we'll have. And she said that she was gifted the understanding of how much time she had. So she could stay hyper-focused on her mission and not get distracted by so many of the things that we so often get distracted by, that I was so distracted by on that crazy Tuesday rushing off to swim class. But because she knew how much time she had, she was laser-focused on her mission. And she told her sisters that even though she wasn't going to be by their side physically, that she would always be with them, reminding them that they had the opportunity to lead other people in that same mission without having to walk through the suffering that she was walking through. And it was such a wake-up to me and a realization to me that that's really, in part, all of our missions, to lead well and to inspire and to live out the purpose that we have with whatever time we have and to not focus on the things that detract or derail us from that. And I think the busyness of life and the rushing of life is one of the factors that takes us off track from living how we're actually called to live in our own homes, with our kids, in our businesses. And we get so focused on the wrong things. So I share this humbly, (laughs) readily admitting and raising my hand that I needed this probably more than anybody And then I'm still struggling in the day-to-day to remember Amira. And I obviously never had the opportunity to meet her in person, but her story is going to live with me forever by choice. And it's a reminder of how our legacy and how we're remembered is based on how we lived. So if you're in a season where you feel rushed or where you feel stressed or you are walking through genuine hardships, really difficult things, I share Amira's story in the hopes that you can have the gift of perspective that I was given in a time where I was focused so inward and on the wrong things and instead shift that focus to where you're really being called and how you're being called to lead and inspire and impact and make sure that your actions in those little moments, because life is made up of all the little moments compiled, are representative of that mission and that purpose. Each week that I see Amira's mom and dad, I get the opportunity to learn more about their story, which I will go into in the future because I learned even more about Amira's mom who walked through, you know, grew up in a war zone in Liberia and her life was transformed because of the challenge she walked through as a child and what she witnessed and then having to walk through this with her daughter, but none of it does she look at as a punishment or like as a victim, but she sees 
all of it as a piece of her story of how she's called to live and how she's called to raise her girls to go on to impact. So do with it what you will. I hope it lifts your spirits. I know it's not a traditional episode here, but sometimes I feel like the gift of perspective can be even more valuable than the gift of any strategy we could get our hands on. In honor of Amira, let's raise them upright. I hope today's episode gave you exactly what you needed. And if it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next juicy episode. And don't be shy. I don't bite often. So come connect with me over on Instagram at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question, a guest you want to hear on the show or an idea you have for us, just reach out and share your thoughts. We do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. So tune in next time to keep building that legacy and doing the work that really matters.